chapter twenty seven of our friend the charlatan this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org our friend the charlatan by george gissing chapter twenty seven lashmar walked back to hollingford and reached the hotel without any consciousness of the road by which he had come he felt as tired as if he had been walking all day when he had dropped into an easy chair he let his arms hang and with head drooping forward stared at his feet stretched out before him the posture suggested a man half overcome with drink he had a private meeting to attend to-night should he attend it or not his situation had become farcical was it not his plain duty to withdraw at once from the political contest that a serious candidate might as soon as possible take his place where could he discern even the glimmer of a hope in this sudden darkness his heart was heavy and cold he went through the business of the evening talking automatically seeing and hearing as in a dream he had no longer the slightest faith in his electioneering prospects and wondered how he could ever have been sanguine about them of course the conservative would win breakspeare knew it every member of the committee knew it they pretended to hope because the contest amused and occupied them no liberal had a chance at hollingford to-morrow he would throw the thing up and disappear never in his life had he passed such a miserable night at each waking from hag-ridden slumbers the blackest despondency beset him once or twice his tortured brain even glanced towards suicide temptation lurking in the assurance that by destroying himself he would become for a few days at all events the subject of universal interest he found no encouragement even in the thought of iris woolstan not only had he deeply offended her by his engagement to constance bride but almost certainly she would hear from her friend mrs toplady the whole truth of his disaster which put him beyond hope of pardon he owed her money with what face even if she did not know the worst could he go to her and ask for another loan in vain did he remember the many proofs he had received of mrs woolstan's devotion since the interview with constance all belief in himself was at an end he had thought his eloquence his personal magnetism irresistible constance had shown him the extent of his delusion if he saw iris the result would be the same at moments so profound was his feeling of insignificance that he hid his face even from the darkness and groaned not only had he lost faith in himself there remained to him no conviction no trust no hope of any kind intellectually morally he had no support shams insincerities 
downright dishonesties had clothed him about and these were now all stripped away leaving the thing he called his soul to quiver in shamed nakedness he knew nothing he believed nothing but death still made him fearful with the first gleam of daylight he flung himself out of his hot uncomfortable bed and hastened to be a clothed mortal once more he felt better as soon as he had dressed himself and opened the window the night with its terrible hauntings was a thing gone by at breakfast he thought fixedly of iris woolstan perhaps iris had not seen mrs toplady yet perhaps at heart she was not so utterly estranged from him as he feared something of his old power over her might even now be recovered it was the resource of desperation he must try it the waiter's usual respect seemed this morning covert mockery the viands had no savour only the draught of coffee that soothed his throat was good he had a headache and a tremor of the nerves in any case it would have been impossible to get through the day in the usual manner and his relief when he found himself at the railway station was almost a return of good spirits on reaching london he made straight for west hampstead as he approached mrs woolstan's house his heart beat violently without even a glance at the windows he rang the visitor's bell it sounded distinctly but there came no response he rang again and again listened to the far-off tinkling only then did he perceive that the blinds at the lower windows were drawn the house was vacant paralyzed for a moment he stared about as if in search of someone who could give him information then with sweat on his forehead he stepped up to the next door and asked if anything was known of mrs woolstan he learnt only that she had been absent for about ten days where she was the servant with whom he spoke could not tell him were the other neighbours likely to know he asked encouraged by a bare possibility he inquired at the house beyond but in vain fate was against him he might as well go home and write a letter to his committee at hollingford stay could he not remember the school to which leonard woolstan had been sent yes it was noted in his pocket-book for he had promised to write to the boy he sought the nearest post-office and dispatched a telegram to leonard please let me know immediately your mother's present address the reply was to be sent to his rooms in devonshire street and thither he straightway betook himself hoping that in an hour or so he would have news an extempore lunch was put before him never had he satisfied his hunger with less gusto time went on the afternoon brought him no telegram at seven o'clock he lay on his sofa exhausted by nervous strain anticipating a hideous night again his thoughts had turned to suicide it would be easier to obtain poison here than at hollingford laudanum death under laudanum must be very easy mere falling asleep in a sort of intoxication but he must leave behind him something in writing 
something which would excite attention when it appeared in all the newspapers addressed to the coroner no to his committee he would hint to them of a tragic story of noble powers and ambitions frustrated by the sordid difficulties of life the very truth let malice say what it would at his age with his brain and heart to perish thus for want of a little money as he dwelt on the infinite pathos of the thing tears well to his eyes trickled over his cheek of a sudden he started up and shouted come in yes it was a telegram he took it from the servant's hand with an exclamation of joy leonard informed him that mrs woolstan was staying at gorleston near yarmouth her address sunrise terrace he clutched at a railway guide too late to get to yarmouth to-night but that did not matter sunrise terrace in his sorry state of mind a name of such good omen brought him infinite comfort he rushed out of the house and walked at a great rate impelled by the joy of feeling himself alive once more sunrise iris woolstan would save him already he warmed with gratitude to her he thought of her with a tender kindness she might be richer than he supposed at all events she was in circumstances which would allow him to live independently and was she not just the kind of woman constance bride had advised him to marry advice given in scorn but his conscience told him thoroughly sound a nice gentle sufficiently intelligent little woman pity that there was the boy but he would always be at school suppose she had only four or five hundred a year oh probably more than that seeing that she could economize such substantial sums he was saved the sum would rise for him literally and in metaphor a rainy morning saw him at liverpool street the squalid roofs of north-east london dripped miserably under a leaden sky not till the train reached the borders of suffolk did a glint of sun fall upon meadow and stream thence onwards the heavens brightened the risen clouds gleamed above a shining shore lashmar did not love this part of england and he wondered why mrs woolstan had chosen such a retreat but in the lightness of his heart he saw only pleasant things arrived at yarmouth he jumped into a cab and was driven along the dull flat road which leads to gorleston odour of the brine made amends for miles of lodgings for brakes laden with boisterous trippers for tram cars and piano organs here at length was sunrise terrace a little row of plain houses on the top of the cliff with sea horizon vast before it and soft green meadowland far as one could see behind bidding his driver wait lashmar knocked at the door and stood tremulous it was half-past twelve iris might or might not have returned from her morning walk he prepared for a brief disappointment but worse awaited him mrs woolstan he learnt would not be at home for the midday meal she was with friends who had house at gorleston where is the house he asked impatiently stamping as if his feet were cold the woman pointed his way who are the people what is their name he heard it but it conveyed nothing to him after a moment's reflection he decided to go to the hotel and there write a note whilst he was having lunch the reply came a dry missive saying that 
if he would call at three o'clock mrs woolstan would have much pleasure in presenting him to her friends the barkers with whom she was spending the day lashmar fumed but obeyed the invitation in a garden on the edge of the cliff he found half a dozen persons an elderly man who looked like a retired tradesman his wife of suitable appearance their son their two daughters and iris woolstan loud and mirthful talk was going on his arrival interrupted it only for a moment so glad to see you was mrs woolstan's friendly but not cordial greeting i didn't know you ever came to the east coast introductions were carelessly made he seated himself on a camp-stool by one of the young ladies and dropped a few insignificant remarks no one paid much attention to him seventy-five runs exclaimed mrs woolstan addressing herself as though with keen interest to the son of the family a high-coloured large-limbed young man of about lashmar's age that was splendid but you did better still against east croydon didn't you made my century there answered mr barker jerking out a leg in self-satisfaction how conceited you're making him mrs woolstan cried one of his sisters with a shrill laugh it's a rule in this house to put the stopper on jim when he begins to talk about cricket if we didn't there'd be no living with him are you a cricketer mr mr lasher asked mater familius eyeing the visitor curiously it's a long time since i played was the reply uttered with scarcely veiled contempt mrs woolstan talked on in the highest spirits exhibiting her intimacy with the barker household and her sympathy with their concerns lashmar waited for her to question him about hollingford to give him an opportunity of revealing his importance but her thoughts seemed never to turn in that direction as soon as a movement in the company enabled him to rise he stepped up to her and said in a voice audible to those standing by i want to speak to you about leonard shall you be at home this evening iris gave him a startled look you haven't bad news of len oh no nothing of the kind can you call at six o'clock he looked into her eyes and nodded what do you say to a boat mrs woolstan shouted barker the son this suggestion was acclaimed and lashmar was urged to join the party but he gladly seized this chance of escape wandering along the grassy edge of the cliffs he presently descried the barkers and their friend putting forth in two little boats the sight exasperated him he strode gloomily on ever and again turning his head to watch the boats and struggling against the fears that once more assailed him in a hollow of dry sand where the cliffs broke he flung himself down and lay still for an hour or two below him on the edge of the tide children were playing he watched them sullenly lashmar disliked children the sound of their voices was disagreeable to him he wondered whether he would ever have children of his own and heartily hoped not six o'clock seemed very long in coming but at length he found himself at sunrise terrace again and was admitted to an ordinary lodging-house parlour where with tea on the table mrs woolstan awaited him the sea air had evidently done her good she looked younger and prettier than when dyce last saw her and the tea-gown she wore became her well how did you know where i was she began by asking rather distantly lashmar told her in detail but why were you so anxious to see me sugar i think it's a long story he replied looking at her from under his eyebrows and i don't much care for telling it in a place like this 
for all we can say be heard by any one on the other side of the door iris was watching his countenance the cold politeness with which she had received him had become a very transparent mask beneath it showed eager curiosity and trembling hope we can go out if you like she said and most likely meet those singular friends of yours who on earth are they very nice people replied mrs woolstan holding up her head they are intolerably vulgar and you must be aware of it i felt ashamed to see you among them what are you doing at a place like this why have you shut up your house really exclaimed iris with a flutter that is my business lashmar's nervous irritation was at once subdued he looked timidly at the indignant face let his eyes fall and murmured an apology i've been going through strange things and i'm not quite master of myself the night before last his voice sunk to a hollow note i very nearly took poison what do you mean poison mrs woolstan's eyes widened in horror lashmar regarded her with a smile of intense melancholy one thing only kept me from it i remembered that i was in your debt and i felt it would be too cowardly what has happened come and sit near the window no one can hear us talking here i've been expecting to read of your election is it something to do with lady ogram's death i've wanted so much to know about that and how it affected you a few questions gave dyce the comfortable assurance that iris had not seen mrs toplady for a long time trouble with servants she said coming after a slight illness had decided her to quit her house for the rest of the summer and the barkers persuaded her to come to gorleston when leonard left school for his holidays she meant to go with him to some nice place but do tell me what you mean by those dreadful words and why have you come to see me she was her old self the iris woolstan on whom first of all lashmar had tried his method who had so devoutly believed in him and given such substantial proof of her faith the man felt his power and began to recover self-respect tell me one thing he said bending towards her may i remain your debtor for a little longer will it put you to inconvenience not at all was the impulsive reply i told you i didn't want the money i have more than six hundred pounds a year and never spend quite all of it lashmar durst not raise his eyes lest a gleam of joy should betray him he knew now what he had so long desired to know six hundred a year it was enough you are very kind that relieves me for two or three days i have been in despair yes you shall hear all about it i owe you the whole truth for no one ever understood me as you did and no one ever gave me such help of every kind first of all about my engagement to miss bride it's at an end but more than that it wasn't a real engagement at all we tried to play a comedy and the end has been tragic iris drew a deep breath of wonder her little lips were parted her little eyebrows made a high arch she had the face of a child who listens to a strange and half terrifying story don't you see how it was he exclaimed in a subdued voice of melodious sadness lady ogram discovered that her niece you remember may tomalin thought rather too well of me this did not suit her views she had planned a marriage between may and lord dymchurch you know what her temper was one day she gave me the choice either i married constance bride or i never entered her house again imagine my position think of me with my ambitions my pride and the debt i had incurred to you can you blame me much if seeing that lady ogram's life might end any day i met her tyranny by stratagem how i longed to tell you the truth but i felt bound in honour to silence constance bride my friend 
and never anything more agreed to the pretence of an engagement wasn't it brave of her and so things went on until the day when dymchurch came down to rivenoak and proposed to may the silly girl refused him there was a terrible scene such as i hope never to behold again may was driven forth from the house and lady ogram just as she was bidding me take steps for my immediate marriage fell to the ground unconscious dying he paused impressively the listener was panting as if she had run a race and the will she asked it dates from a year ago may tomlin is not mentioned in it i of course have nothing iris gazed at the floor a little sound as of consternation had passed her lips but she made no attempt to console the victim of destiny who sat with bowed head before her after a brief silence lashmar told of the will as it concerned constance bride insisting on the fact that she was a mere trustee of the wealth bequeathed to her with a humorously doleful smile he spoke of lady ogram's promise to defray his election expenses and added that miss bride in virtue of her trusteeship would carry out this wish another exclamation sounded from the listener this time one of joy well that's something i suppose the expenses are heavy aren't they oh not very but what's the use of course i withdraw he let his hand fall despondently again there was silence and that is why you thought of taking poison asked iris with a quick glance at his lowering visage isn't it a good reason all is over with me if lady ogram had lived to make her new will i should have been provided for now i am penniless and hopeless but if she had lived you would have had to marry miss bride dyce made a sorrowful gesture no she would never have consented even if i could have brought myself to such a sacrifice in any case i was doomed but iris paused biting her lip you were going to say only that i suppose you would have been willing to marry that girl the niece i will answer you frankly he spoke in the softest tone and his look had a touching candour you better than anyone know the nature of my ambition you know it is not merely personal one doesn't like to talk grandiloquently but alone with you there is no harm in saying that i have a message for our time we have reached a point in social and political evolution where all the advance of modern life seems to be imperiled by the growing preponderance of the multitude our need is of men who are born to guide and rule and i feel myself one of these but what can i do as long as i am penniless and so i answer you frankly yes if may tomlin had inherited lady ogram's wealth i should have felt it my duty to marry her iris listened without a smile lashmar had never spoken with a more convincing show of earnestness what is she going to do asked the troubled little woman her eyes cast down dyce told all that he knew of may's position he was then questioned as to the state of things political at hollingford his replies were at once sanguine and disconsolate well he said at length i have done my best but fortune is against me in coming to see you i discharge what i felt to be a duty let me again thank you for your generous kindness now i must work work he stood an image of noble sadness of magnanimity at issue with cruel fate iris glanced timidly at him her panting showed that she wished to speak but could not he offered his hand iris took it but only for an instant i want you to tell me something else broke from her lips i will tell you anything are you in love with that girl miss tomlin with sorrowful dignity he shook his head with proud self-consciousness he smiled nor with miss bride i think of her exactly as if she were a man 
if i told you that i very much wished you to do something would you care to do it your wish is for me a command dyce answered gently if it were not i should be grossly ungrateful then promise to go through with the election your expenses are provided for if you win i am sure some way can be found of providing you with an income i am sure it can it shall be as you wish said lashmar seeming to speak with a resolute cheerfulness i will return to hollingford by the first train to-morrow they talked for a few minutes more lashmar mentioned where he was going to pass the night he promised to resume their long interrupted correspondence and to let his friend have frequent reports from hollingford then they shook hands and parted silently after dinner dyce strayed shorewards he walked down to the little harbour and out on to the jetty a clouded sky had brought night fast upon sunset green and red lamps shone from the lighthouse at the jetty head and the wash of the rising tide sounded in darkness on either hand not many people had chosen this spot for their evening walk but as he drew near to the lighthouse he saw the figure of a woman against the grey obscurity she was watching a steamboat slowly making its way through the harbour mouth he advanced and at the sound of his nearing step the figure faced to him there was just light enough to enable him to recognise iris you oughtn't to be here alone he said oh why not she replied with a laugh i'm old enough to take care of myself the wind had begun to moan waves tide-borne against the jetty made a hollow booming and at moments scattered spray how black it is to-night iris added it will rain there i felt a spot only a splash of sea-water i think replied lashmar standing close beside her both gazed at the dark vast of sea and sky a pair of ramblers approached them a young man and a girl talking loudly the tongue of lower london i know a young lady sounded in the feminine voice as as a keeper set with a diamond and a hamethyst lovely come away said dyce what a hateful place this is how can you bear to be among such brutes iris moved on by him but said nothing i felt ashamed he added to find you with people like the barkers do you mean to say they don't disgust you they are not so bad as that iris weakly protested but you mustn't think i regard them as intimate friends it's only that i've been rather lonely lately lan away at school and several things yes yes i understand but they're no company for you do get away as soon as possible another couple went by them talking loudly the same vernacular if i put a book down for a day said the young woman i forget all i've read i've a hawful bad memory for readin how i loathe that class lashmar exclaimed i never came to this part of the coast because i knew it was defiled by them for heaven's sake get away go to some place where your ears won't be perpetually outraged i can't bear to think of leaving you here i'll go as soon as ever i can i promise you murmured iris there it really is beginning to rain we must walk quickly will you take my arm she did so and they hurried on that's the democracy said lashmar those are the people for whom we are told that the world exists they get money and it gives them power meanwhile the true leaders of mankind as often as not struggle through their lives in poverty and neglect iris's voice sounded timidly you would feel it of no use to have just enough for independence 
for the present he replied it would be all i ask but i might just as well ask for ten thousand a year the rain was beating upon them during the ascent to sunrise terrace neither spoke a word at the door of her lodgings iris looked into her companion's face and said in a tremulous voice i am sure you will be elected i am certain of it dyce laughed pressed her hand and as the door opened walked away through the storm End of chapter 27